pray that you would bless the preparation and proclamation of this word. May your anointing fall fresh upon your preacher, this earthen vessel, and among your people, that you may be glorified, your people blessed. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Again, from Proverbs chapter 31, verses 28 through 31. Her children rise up. And call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is passing. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gate. I want to preach this morning on this Mother's Day 2016 from the subject portrait of a godly woman. Portrait of a godly woman. Proverbs 31 is a remarkably popular chapter. The contents of the chapter uh, are attributed to the wise and godly mother of a king named Lemuel. We know that his mother is godly, was godly and a wise woman uh, for at least three reasons. Number one, because she named her son Lemuel, which means devoted to God. Secondly, she dedicated him, as verse uh, 2 says, to God, pretty much as Hannah did when she dedicated her son Samuel, who went on to become a great prophet. And thirdly, we know that this woman is a godly woman just from reading her words in Proverbs 31. Now, while numerous sermons and lessons have been preached on Proverbs 31, and have to do with the virtuous woman or the virtuous wife, verses 3 through 9 have to do with the virtuous man. And uh, Pastor Harris, Pastor Stevens, Pastor Joe, I've been preaching this text for years and teaching this text for years and reading this text for years, but this year was the first time that this idea of the virtuous man came into focus for me. I'd never seen that before. For some reason, I'd skipped over it. I didn't really know he was talking about the virtuous man, but verses 3 to 9, that's what he's talking about. It has to do with the virtuous man. And you got to love how Lemuel's mother pulled rank on him. (coughs) Notice in verse 2, she reminds him that although he was a king, she was still his mother. And that she outranked him. Isn't it wonderfully amazing that no matter what a man accomplishes in life, no matter how high he rises in in, in the academic world, and it was just so amazing because when we came down for prayer, Pastor Stevens, who usually holds my hand uh, during the prayer time, looked at me and said, I'm going to hold my mama's hand. Isn't that amazing? No matter, I mean, the PhD, no matter how high he climbs academically, a man, 
you know, mama is still mama. That's, that's what the text is teaching. No matter how far he goes in, in the military, um, you know, whether he becomes the commander of the base or whatever, when mama comes to town, mama gets, full, gets his full undivided attention. I remember <coughs> when uh, uh, Bob Baxter was our commander at Homestead Air Force, base and his mama came to town and here was this man you know introducing his mama to just about everybody he could no matter how high a man rises in the private industry a sensible man always loves always respects and always hears his mother a sensible man some years ago at this church we had a member in his family by the name of Sean Wayne. Some of y'all remember Sean. And his, he had a job transfer to Houston, Texas. And um, Sean's cousin is Reggie Wayne. And that name is familiar to sports enthusiasts because Reggie Wayne was a star, in, a star receiver for the Indianapolis Colts. And so every once in a while I asked Sean, I said, Sean, how's Reggie doing? And he would give me a report. And then one, one time, the year they went to the Super Bowl, I asked him, I said, Sean, I said, have you heard from Reggie? He said, no. He said, Reggie is busy right now. He doesn't answer his phone unless he looks on the caller ID and he sees that it's his mama's number. And he said his, he'll answer his mama, but that's, all, that's the only call he's answering during this season. He's busy. Isn't that amazing? And, and so, so mothers, I, I just want to remind you, and grandmothers and aunts, and, and even if you aren't a biological mother, but you've taken some child under your, your, your wing, if you rock the cradle right, when he or she sees your number, they will answer. So it is, so it was rather with King Lemuel's mother having obviously rocked the cradle, right? She went straight to the heart of the matter. Uh, and she talked about virtuous or Christ-like character, a godly character. First, she talked to him about what it meant to be a virtuous man. She went straight to the heart of the issue. She talked about what it meant to be a virtuous man, a man who lived a god honoring life. In other words, before she schooled him on the principles of finding a virtuous woman, before she even got down to verse 10 and talked to him about finding a God-honoring woman, she reminded him of his obligation to be a virtuous man or a God-honoring man. She says to him in essence, you need to be a virtuous man first, and then you can look for a virtuous woman. Now, so she begins in verse 3, and she says this. She says, do not give your strength to women or your ways to that which destroys kings. 21st century uh, translation. She's saying, Lemuel, don't be a player. Like we used to say back in the day, don't be a playboy. Don't be a womanizer. Don't be a Casanova. Don't be a Romeo. Don't be a Don Juan. 
that kind of lifestyle will rob you of your energy, the energy that you need to be a good king, a good man, that will rob you of that energy, and eventually it will destroy your life. Eugene Peterson, in the message version, uh, he translated the Bible, he calls it the message, the message, the Bible. He says that uh, it will shipwreck your life. She says in essence to him, Lemuel, you're a big boy now. You're the king. This is not little league. You're in the majors. The stakes are high and mistakes are costly. This is not playground. You're in the big leagues now. Secondly, she counsels her son in verses 4 through 6 not to drink alcoholic beverages. I mean, she just comes straight out and says, don't do it. She says it's not for kings. It distorts your reasoning. It stunts your ability to make sound judgments. She says in verse 6, give strong drink to him who is perishing. Give it to the one whose life is slipping uh, away. Some believe that, um, that, they, that, that she was saying you can use it uh, as a pain reliever because they didn't have uh, pain relievers in those days like we have this day. Some commentators believe that. Uh, but she says other men use strong drink to try to drown their problems or escape reality. But she says such is not fitting for a king. It's not fitting for you as a godly man. I didn't raise you that way. That's what she's saying. Third, she counsels him to be a righteous judge. She says, do what's right and to be a strong advocate for those who are poor and weak and needed. Now, those three things, she's saying, you're virtuous. You, you need to be a virtuous man. Keep those things in mind. Don't run around with wild, uh, 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 strange and wild women. Don't commit adultery. Don't keep your, she said, keep yourself pure. Don't be, a, don't, don't be a drunk. Don't waste your, your life with alcohol and be fair, upright in your judgments. Now, verses 1 through 9 remind me of the type of talk a mother has with her son the day before he leaves for college or the day before he goes off in the military, or the day before he steps into some prominent position. It sounds like that kind of talk to me. It's not that she's trying to teach him anything new. She, she's not trying to teach him anything. He's heard, he's heard this before. But rather what she does is she gives him a brief summation, a concise reiteration, a short summation of the things that she's taught him all of his life. That's what she's doing. You know, imagine standing at the airport or standing at the train station, and, and you're giving that last, that, that, that hug and that kiss, and you're looking into your son's eyes. You, you're just giving him a summation of the stuff he already, you're just reminding him. A hint to the wise. Mothers and and grandmothers, and aunts, and cousins, and women, and fathers, take the opportunity to teach your children the ways of God while they are young. Tell them the story of, of Jesus, a Savior who suffered and bled and died on Calvary's cross to, to wash away their sins with his 
blood. Tell them that he rose victoriously from the grave with all power in his hands. Tell them that Jesus loved them enough to give his life for them. Tell them about the Holy Spirit while they are young and that he will be their guide and that he will be their teacher and that when they get in trouble, he will be their comforter. Tell them concerning the works of the Holy Spirit in their lives so that when they are grown and about to leave your nest, you won't find yourselves trying to cram a life full of lessons into a few pardon moments. And after laying the groundwork for her son, Lemia's mother wisely uses the rest of her time counseling her son concerning the type of woman he should select to be the crown jewel of his life. And that's part of a mother's job, right? You counsel your son in, in terms of the kind of woman that he, that she, uh, sh the kind of woman that he should look for as a wife. And she calls this woman a virtuous woman, meaning a woman who loves God, a woman who reverences God, a woman who respects God, a woman who lives for God. And then she paints or she unveils a beautiful portrait of what a woman of God looks like. That's what she does right there in, 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 in verse 10, all the way down. She, she, she begins to remove the canvas, and, uh, the, 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 the covering from the canvas. Footnote. I find it interesting that Lemia's mother does not emphasize external glamour, beauty, or bling. I found that interesting. I read that. I mean, up front, she didn't mention anything about external beauty, about how good she looked on the outside, how fine she was. She, she didn't say anything about that, about her jewelry, none, none of that stuff, not about how she looked physically. Now, she does briefly mention it, beauty, later, and we'll talk about that briefly, but just in one verse. But, but at this point, she, she does not even bring up external beauty. She spends most of her time highlighting the internal qualities of the woman who loves God and treasures her relationship with God. And you see, part of our society, part of the backlash of what we're dealing with in our society is the emphasis on physical beauty and the neglect of internal character and qualities. The neglect of those internal Christ-like uh, character qualities. External beauty has its place, but not at the top of list of priorities. That's what this woman is pointing out. And so in verse 10, she reveals who can find a, find a virtuous woman. For her worth is far above rubies. In essence, she is a woman of noble character, a woman of virtue, a woman whose lips and life reflects the nature, the image, and the essence of God. Although she is a rare find, this mother said it is possible to find her. It says she'll be rare, but you can find her. She's saying, in essence, she won't be traveling the wide road. She'll be on the narrow road. She won't be the one going with the flow. 
She won't be the easy catch. She won't be the one-night stand. She won't be jumping on the bandwagon. Uh, she won't be rocking it just because it's popular and practical and socially acceptable to do so. She won't be the one that Rick James sang about years ago that you can't take home to mama. But she'll be different. That's what this wise brother is saying. She'll be different. Her standards will be higher. Her values will be elevated. Her expectations will be greater. And son, she will command respect and demand that you and everybody else treats her like a lady. She'll be a rare find, mama said. But mama said when you find her, Libyel, she will be priceless. She will be worth more than all of the rubies that you have in the kingdom when you find her. Verse 11, she'll be a woman you can trust. Verse 12, she'll do you good, not evil. She'll be an asset, not a liability. Verses 13 through 19, she will be a good steward of the resources. She'll know how to spend money wisely. She'll be thrifty. Verse 20, she'll help the poor. She'll have a spirit of compassion. She not only cares about the well-being of her family and herself, she cares about the well-being of hurting people, of needed people, the least, the lost, and the lonely. Do you see the portrait coming into fruition as she lowers the covering so that her son can see the qualities of a virtuous woman? Verses 21 through 22, she takes it upon herself to ensure that her family as well as herself are suitably dressed for the occasion. Verse 23 states, her husband is known in the gates. When he sits among the elders of the land, sitting in the city gates would be like sitting on the floor of Congress or sitting on the floor of the city senate or, or city hall or any place where high-powered decisions are made. Her husband is known in the city gates, get this, for his visionary leadership, strength of character, and kindness. Verse 23, and all because, all because his wife effectively handles her business at home. The reason her husband can effectively handle his business in the city in the city gates. The reason he could do so effectively what he does is because his wife effectively handles her business at home. God is in the mix working in it. Verse 25 states, strength and honor are her clothing. And I had to dig, I had to dig in this. Strength and honor are her clothing. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me show you what this is. Verse 25 has both figurative and literal meanings. Figuratively speaking, her appearance denotes a woman who is strong in her faith walk and honors the God whom she loves. But literally speaking, the clothing she wears, as well as how she wears them, reflects her strong sense 
of honor to God and her husband. In other words, she doesn't wear stuff that dishonors God. She she doesn't wear stuff that will embarrass her husband or dishonor her husband. It won't be too tight. It won't be cut too low. But it will be honoring to God. And she she said, Lemuel, that's what you look for. Because that will be a godly woman. Verse 25b states, she shall rejoice in time to come. Listen, because of her deep and abiding faith, she views the future through optimistic lenses. Why? Because she trusts in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who has all power in his hand. Verse 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. What this wise mother is teaching her son is that her words are not fickle. Her words are not frivolous. Her words are not foolishness. Rather, they are words of insight, perception, good judgment, and understanding, and her words are always spoken in kindness. Verse 27, she watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. In other words, she she meticulously handles the business of, get this, her household. Help me somebody. She is busy handling the business of her own household. She's not Facebooking in somebody else's business. She's not texting in somebody else's business. She's not emailing in somebody else's business. But she is meticulously handling the business of her own household, her husband and her children. She stays out of the business of others. Not only that, she does not eat the bread of idleness, meaning she never kicks life into neutral, sits passively by watching things happen. Rather, this woman is proactive and does all within her God-given power to make things happen. You won't find her backed into a corner, sitting on the edge of the bed, twiddling her thumbs. No, this godly woman will be standing at home plate looking for and anticipating the next pitch. Verse 28 says, her children rise up early and call her blessed. They get up early in the morning. This is what she says. Her children, when you have children with her, her children get up early in the morning. And they thank God for mama. Even those whose mamas are, are gone on, you can still rise early in the morning and say, although mama is gone, God, I thank God for mama. Because mama made me who I am. Mama shaped my character. Mama taught me right from wrong. Mama wiped away my tears. Mama helped to mend my broken heart. When nobody else thought I would be anything, mama was there to tell me, keep going. You can make it. God is with you. 
God will help you. Thank God for mama. That's what she's saying. Mama! Thank God for mama. Her husband praises her for he knows that God has blessed him exceedingly abundantly above all that he could think or imagine. Lemuel's mother is saying to him, son, when you find her, you will thank God for her. You will praise God for your wife. Her resume, her curriculum vitae, her transcript would read as thusly, verse 29, many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. You exceed them all. You outdistance them all. Now in verse 30, near the end of the chapter, is the only place Lemuel's mother, this godly and wise woman, this is the only place where she mentions physical beauty. Isn't that amazing? In our society, it would have been the first thing. Lemuel, how does her face look? Lemuel, what kind of legs does she have? Lemuel, what does her body look like? But not this mother. Way down on her list of priorities, she mentions physical beauty. And the reason is physical beauty has its place, but it should not be the priority. Physical beauty should not be the priority. Character should be the priority. Notice the wording of the text. Charm is deceitful. In other words, his mama says, Mama said, charm, Lemuel, can be dangerous. Charm can be deceptive. Charm can be a fraud. Charm can be a fake. Charm can be a scheme or a scam. Charm has gotten a lot of folk in deep trouble. Charm has brought many a man down and a woman down. King Lemuel's mom says, charm standing on his own merit cannot be trusted. And then she even goes on to say, basically, you know, beauty, if charm is deceitful and beauty is passing. As she's saying, beauty, Lemuel, is passing. It won't last. Use all the dyes you want. Use all the fries you want. Use all the creams, the portions, the surgeries you want. But beauty is fleeting. Beauty is fleeting. And when it goes, what will you have left? But godly character, which is the most important thing. While writing this manuscript, I couldn't help but remember the words of the psalm from back in the day. By the temptations. And the chorus of the song went like this. Beauty is only skin deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beauty has its place. King Lemuel's mama said, but let me tell you, the most important thing to look for in the woman. Then she concludes, 
verses 30b and verse 31. She says, but a woman, help me somebody, who fears the Lord. Woman who reverences God. A woman who loves the Lord, listens to the Lord, lives for the Lord, longs for the Lord, labor for the Lord, leads for the Lord, shall be praised. Now, it's a tall order. I've even read what some people say, well, that's not really what God intended. Yes, it is. Hollywood would say that it's not. The entertainment industry would say that it's not. But God says that it is. If it wasn't, he wouldn't have put it in the book. We can attain to it. We can be virtuous men and we can be virtuous women. Why? Because Jesus suffered, bled, and died. But when he got up, he got up with all power in his hands. And part of that power is to help us live for God. So as we used to sing back at my little home church, Jehovah Missionary Baptist Church in Columbia, South Carolina, where most of the congregation, uh, the older ones, didn't have a high school diploma. Very few had gone to college. But they had a very, very, very simple, profound theology that I even subscribe to the day after having a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, and a doctorate degree. I still subscribe to that simple theology of my grandfather, my grandmother, and the members of Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church, and they put it in a song. Brother Mason, and the songs that went like this, you just ask the Savior to help you. You want to be virtuous? You just ask the Savior to help you. Confidence, strengthen, and keep you. Jesus, the song said, Jesus, the lily of the valley, Jesus, the bright and morning star, Jesus who got up with all power in his hand. Jesus is willing, the song said, to aid you. Jesus will carry you through. It's not too late. Maybe a lot of water has gone under the bridge. It's not too late. We all have made mistakes in the past, but it's not too late. God is able. 